I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Twelve Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to Twelve Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face covering Pac-12 football news. On week zero, the day of our Lord, week zero, games, actual games this week on Saturday, and Pac-12 games, Arizona plays uh, Hawaii. <laughs> said Wyoming, Rob. I'm huh. venturing into your neck of the woods over there. How's it going? Uh, things are good. I'm excited. There's football in uh, in like three days. Yes, and we're going to break down the Arizona-Hawaii game, and we're going to talk UCLA. We're going to do a deep dive into their program. But first, a couple of housekeeping items. You can follow us at 12 Pack Radio on Twitter at 12PAC Radio. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, you name it. We are there. And our uh, – Rob, dude, our website, sharpcollegefootball.com, is – rolling right now lots of good content on there um your beta rank numbers if you want to compare your team to basically any team in the last like six years <laughs> including the teams this year <laughs> if you want their offensive stats their defensive stats anything that matters is on sharpcollegefootball.com jo- rob you've done an awesome job highlighting and making uh the advanced statistics from the beta rank advanced college football model uh digestible where you can just really th- there's just so many tools on there if you haven't been to the site check it out and of course and i'm sure you can expand on this a little bit rob you'll be updating the numbers as the season progresses so every week right the numbers are getting better and better yeah so right now it's um i have full season data going back to 2012 on all the seasons that have already happened um, and you can go in and look at any of that data, um, you know, and, and be able to manipulate it, you know, break down offense, defense. You know, I even have compare a comparison tool where you can go back and look at teams from the past that didn't play each other and get a, uh, a neutral field spread. That's for the but, degenerates out there. That's only for the degenerates. But, you know, yeah. like there's other good stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, clearly you can't bet on, you know, a game, you know, a game that never happened. But the. um one of the things that so I get a uh, I, I I'm signed up I get a data feed from uh, the same folks that provide data for the college football playoff committee, um, and I go in and pick up that data every Sunday morning, um, and I run the model, and it will update. Um, so I'm usually updated. I usually have updated numbers um, for beta rank, for usually by about noon on Sunday Eastern time, if not earlier. Um, and it's uh, I, the it will be more, as the season goes on up through week week six, the in season data will carry more and more weight versus the projection model, um, and then by week six the projection model goes away and it's just entirely in season data. It's beta so, rank day. We should have we should have like a pizza party or something. It'll be I, 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 no, like <laughs> the, the day where like there's no more projection in there and there. And it's just beta ranks. It's one of my favorite days because it's like, yes, like we're really on. Like there's no more recruiting rank. Like um, there are some models out there that include that data all the way through the season um, because it does help improve their predictions. But beta rank actually does not get any better with that data in there. So uh, it works best just off the in-season data. Nice. And check it out at sharpcollegefootball.com. Two more announcements. The first is, I'm really excited about this, and you'll find out on Sunday, we're getting an additional host. And this is somebody that knows the Pac-12, that knows gambling, that is enthusiastic. And I just think, Rob, he's a great fit for this podcast, particularly when we get cantankerous. Like, I think it'll be good to have a third voice on the podcast, you know, making sure that we know that there is a sunny side to life. No, it's true. I mean, you and I are both sort of uh, cynics by nature. Um, and, and it's I mean, it can be tough right now. I mean, like this is the this is not the uh, the salad days for the Pac-12. 
Um, you know, the Pac-12 has, you know, sort of been sparsely represented in the college football playoff and hasn't had a national champion in over a decade. So, um, yeah, like it's it, like we need somebody to come in and, you know, tell us the sun's coming up tomorrow. Yeah. And and really a good a good host. I'm really thrilled yeah, that this he's is a good pickup. Yeah. Like if there was one person that I thought really fit in with what we're trying to do, it's this person. So check tune in on Sunday. Uh, we're going to do our breakdowns of all the games and we're just going to go straight into our weekly podcast where we're doing previews and reviews and um, we're coming up with new segments. So stay tuned for that. Last thing before we get into uh, week zero and UCLA, we are doing a Pac-12 eliminator pool and we had been doing this at Wildcat Radio for a number of years and kind of slowly bled it into 12-pack radio last year. And um, basically, it is probably the most popular thing we've done on Wildcat Radio. The premise is this, and it's free, and we're giving a $25 gift certificate to StubHub. So we will pay for like half of your ticket to a football game, or if you're a bad team, we'll pay for like two of your tickets to a football game uh, in the coming <laughs> season. But basically, this is how it works. You, uh, you pick one team a week. And this starts in week one, like the real week one. So don't worry about week zero. You have some time to get your act together. Um, You pick one team to win each week, one Pac-12 team. All they have to do is win their game. Don't worry about the spread. They just have to win. If they win, then you advance to the next week and you just pick one game and that team has to win. And if you win, you get to the next week. If you lose, you are out. Here's the catch. You're only allowed to pick each team once. So if you pick USC in week one, uh, you can't pick them for the rest of the season. And so you have to be really strategic about who you want to pick as the season progresses. And basically what we'll do is every week on this podcast, we will announce who uh, was eliminated. And I will do it to the uh, the song that they play when the tributes die in the hit movie, The Hunger Games. So when you submit your team name, if you don't want me to read your actual name, give me a pseudonym because that will happen. <laughs> um, but it is really fun. And we'll also post all of the uh, the weeks the the week results up on our website sharpcollegefootball.com so how do you join you can either tweet us your pick every week at 12 pack radio at 12 pac radio or you can go to sharpcollegefootball.com and i have on there um an icon for the pac 12 eliminator pool contest just click on there and it'll bring up a form that you can just send me your pick each week so sharpcollegefootball.com or follow us at 12 pack radio one of the more fun things we do and you don't have to worry about like every single week all of the spreads and all the picks just one game a week and just hope that you continue to survive your thoughts rob oh no this is a lot of fun like uh Last year, you know, it was you you rode who was you know whichever Pac-12 team was playing Oregon State as long as you could, um, and then you got into uh, you know like when did when did the Beavers have a bye like that kind of thing like trying to trying to scheme. I think I made it I made it quite late, but I think I was eliminated eventually by. I think it was called. I mean, I think I was one of the ones that got knocked out by Colorado. Yeah, there was one remaining person after Black Saturday when Colorado lost to Oregon State and Oregon lost to Arizona. That was that was crazy. So Island Cat is the champion from 2018. And then Rick DeNice won our 2017 contest. But Rob, you and I of our hosts, we both tied. We both were the last ones that remained of our hosts. So um, all of our hosts will partic- participate. One more thing to mention, if our hosts if one of our hosts wins, we're not giving out a prize. If you want to, if you really want to climb the mountain, you got to go through the champs. So, <laughs> so if we win, we're going <laughs> to spend that on, on probably booze or something. It'll be fun. Um, okay. With that, let's get into, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're, we're already doing this, Rob, but let's get into our sleazy bets. It's game time. <laughs> hey, um, can I get some PAC 12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner? Actual gambling lines? Got it. Nice. You want it? Baby. Just bust a move. Okay. Oh, it feels so good. It feels so good to be back, Rob. And only one game to break down this week. Arizona travels all the way across the Pacific Ocean to the, the beautiful island of Hawaii to play the Rainbow Warriors. And really just an interesting game to start, right? Because Hawaii has an offense, Rob. Yeah, I mean, Hawaii created out last season as a decent power five offense. Um, they finished at number 74. So they were, you know, they, and they were fun. I mean, they run, they run the run and shoot. It's not something, you know, it's not an offense you're going to see most anywhere else. I think since June Jones isn't coaching in college football anywhere. Um, 
And, and Cole McDonald's a good quarterback. Like he had a good year last year, and and a lot of their receivers had good years last year. So they're 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 interesting. I I think that uh, this offense can kind of sneak up on people a bit. <laughs> the, the good thing is they have them like week zero. So the, if Arizona had them, like I don't know, maybe a team like oh, <laughs> Oregon State has them their second week. I think that it, this might be a little bit more of a sneaky game. But I mean, the the Cats had the entire offseason to prepare for this offense yeah. i don't know if their defense is good enough to <laughs> like you know i don't know if they were going to be able to to emulate the offense that they're going to be playing but it is nice that they've been able to make this the focus of their uh of their offseason because it is so important like you mentioned rob cole mcdonald 3500 yards 36 touchdowns 10 interceptions he also ran for 300 yards on the ground for four touchdowns he's somebody that can really move the ball yeah, I mean, and it's really his run, his running ability added on there that makes him so very dangerous. I mean, he was he was good through the air. His completion percentage, I mean, particularly like by the run and shoot standards, where you you almost need to be more like an air raid type QB with your completion percentage, wasn't great. It was you know just at fifty nine percent, but um, that that additional rushing ability there, um, because in the run and shoot, you're almost always running. Uh, four wide receivers, you know, sets. So you are spreading the defense out, and and if the the QB can take off at all, like it, it's a it's a nasty wrinkle in there. The spread opened at thirteen. The Cats favored by thirteen on the road, and that line has since moved down to to eleven, which I think is quite tasty. Um, but I'm curious to hear Rob what Baderank thinks of this matchup because that's one of the great things that we're able to do is compare different, uh, you know, compare the offenses and defenses and the the different personnel. And what, what do we got? So. This game is interesting. Arizona projects at 60, and, and we've talked about this a little bit. So this this Arizona projection, um, this is on last year's offense where Khalil Tate was injured almost all year and didn't run. Um, so there's Arizona's projections probably sort of at the lower end of where that offense may finish out um, in this season. Uh, Hawaii comes in projected at number 115. Oh, my. Um, yeah, and they're – they're, they haven't recruited. I mean, it's tough to recruit. Like, it sounds like it shouldn't be tough to recruit to to Hawaii, but it is sort of tough to recruit to Hawaii. And in a lot of ways, it's something like it. I, I think a lot of kids want. I mean, you know, how is your family going to come? You know, afford to come see you play games? <laughs> well, see you in four years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like at the very least, I guess they could see you on the mainland. Um, but Arizona's Arizona comes in. They've got an eighty-five percent win probability in the model, and, and they they had them. The the model has that closer to what the original spread opened up at, which is uh, 13 and a half uh, for Arizona favored. Um, so while the, the secret here is that, yes, Hawaii had a, a decent offense by power five standard or by group of five standards last season, it would like 74 isn't going to do you much good in a in a power five conference but their defense was really bad last season grading out at 116 and their special teams were also bad grading out at 113 so with with that if arizona is able to move the ball at all um against that hawaii defense like you're you you like arizona's defense's chances on like a long field to to be able to slow the uh slow the hawaii offense down I think another thing when you're taking a look at Hawaii's offense and I don't want to downplay the fact that they can move the ball because they can. It's funny because like Marquis Stovall, uh, that Cal four star wide receiver. I'm like, oh, you popped up on the roster. Like, oh, there he is. <laughs> I was wondering where that guy went. Yeah. Um, he'll be in the game. So th- they do have some wide receivers that, that can move. They have clearly a quarterback who will be the focus of um, of this offense and the focus of everybody that's going to be announcing this game. The, the one thing to mention, though, is. Uh, Hawaii started off really strong. I mean, they were dropping 40 burgers basically on every team, and then they hit Wyoming, and I understand Wyoming has a good defense for a group of five team. But after that, there was kind of a precipitous drop-off. They basically averaged about 20 points a game rather than 40, and they played BYU, Nevada, Fresno State, Utah State. So those are those, those are, are all four. good defenses. Exactly. Yeah, that was my so, point. So like those are <laughs> so like um like if you go through those uh last season, I mean, and I have the Mountain West ones up already. So Fresno State finished at 14 in the model, Wyoming was 30, Utah State was 31, Nevada, um, uh, I'm sorry for all Arizona fans that are listening, Jeff Castile's defense was 34. <laughs> um 
and BYU, I think, graded out in the 50s. So, yeah, like they 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 ran into some solid defenses, and um, that really slowed them down. I mean, Arizona, like all of those defenses, in fairness, were far better than Arizona's defense, which graded out 86 last season. But the Cats are projected to make a jump. They've got a lot of returning production uh, coming back uh, from last season. Like they're projected to be at 55 uh, on defense this season, which would be. Um, still not a great power five defense, but like a huge improvement over where they've been. Yeah. And Arizona released their depth chart. So we'll definitely get into that in just a sec. I do want to focus on the specific matchups here before we go into the players and, and just kind of highlight that stuff. So do you have the numbers for Hawaii's pass offense and pass defense? Cause I know that they were really heavy on the pass. Obviously you had a, a dual threat quarterback, but the wide receivers that they have, and I think they bring back two of them, average about 500 yards, not average. They, they had a net 500 yards each. So this isn't a team that runs the ball a ton uh, between the yeah. tackles, right? No, that's absolutely right. So this Hawaii offense, um, they graded out number 25, an effective pass. They graded out 116, yeah. an effective rush. So, I mean, really, in a lot of ways, it was, I mean, their their best running play was often McDonald running the football. <laughs> and then flipping that, you know, Arizona brings back a dual threat quarterback of their own. They have a really solid running attack with J.J. Taylor, um, Gary Brightwell, and even some players be, behind them. And then kind of an unknown wide receiving core as of now. Now it's a bigger wide receiving core than you've you've kind of been used to as, as uh, somebody that's watched Arizona for a while. But still uh, a core that is is unproven and a I don't know, like an offensive line that is probably good. <laughs> Question mark. I mean, like this isn't a great offensive line, that's for sure. Um, it's just no, whether or not I mean, Kyle DeVan. Like- yeah. I mean, I think last season, this Arizona line, like we had a lot of questions coming in. They they basically, I think they were replacing three starters last season. This season, they bring back three, you know, so they're only replacing two, but they have, they're bringing a lot of, like a lot of the guys that they're bringing back have experience, including Robert Congle, who sat out last season um, as a transfer for Texas A&M, but started 12 games as a freshman um, at A&M in the SEC. So Arizona's got Arizona's got some decent experience in the line. It's thin, but you know, like, but it's the first game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you part. feel pretty good. You feel pretty good about the yeah. I mean, everybody everybody's cleared to play in the first game, right? So <laughs> now you mentioned uh, Hawaii's defense being you know sub one hundred. Were they particularly bad at one aspect and not at the other, or were they just consistently terrible on both sides of like the the rushing and passing schemes? Yeah, I mean, like so they weren't. Um, I mean, for example, I mean, like to give you an example, like from the Mountain West, like Air Force's defense last season was number 48 against the run, but 129 against the pass. Um, Hawaii wasn't that extreme of a split, but they were 119 against the run um, and 107 against the pass. So they were they were susceptible to either running or throwing the ball. But really, like they they struggled a bit more containing run plays, which is not necessarily where you want to be against J.J. Taylor and um, Khalil Tate. Before we started recording, you had talked about Hawaii's defense possibly being as bad as Oregon State's defense last year. I'm curious how far the drop off was between Hawaii and Washington, uh, Oregon State in 2018. I don't know if you have those numbers up, but was it a because yeah, like sometimes you'll have a, a discrepancy, right? One team's 110 and one team's 130, but the drop off right. between 110 and 130 is like just falling off a cliff. Was that the same thing here or? Uh, I'm just kind of curious what the what do you call that the delta or who knows? Yeah, no, I mean the delta is actually quite large between Hawaii and Oregon State. So, okay. um, it, Oregon State was nearly twice as bad as Hawaii's defense. Um, oh my gosh, that's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, I say that as like I mean, like even like zero, like if you were zero to zero out for defense, so it's like negatively, like defense is negatively scaled because you're preventing points, right? Um, but yeah, like Oregon State's defense was horrendous last season. But uh, I mean, the if you look across like the the types of defenses that were in Hawaii's uh, range last season, I mean, you have Rice, you have Navy. Um, so interestingly, like uh, if you remember Houston's defense that kind of whooped Arizona early on in the season, um, they totally fell off the map by the end of the season. And Ed Oliver, of course, wasn't even playing anymore. So they finished quite badly. Illinois defense, UNLV. Um, 
I mean, there's 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 a lot of very very bad defenses down here. There's not really anybody uh, else that was on Arizona's schedule down here. I mean, the second worst Arizona, like the, the the team that Arizona actually faced last season that had a defense other than Oregon State would be like UCLA, who finished 90. Okay. Um, and Arizona had a decent game against them with, you know, Rhett Rodriguez, you know, like <laughs> fact. Um, so I, you expect, I mean, you expect, um, you know, I think I think a lot of people on this game, there's a lot of focus on Cole McDonald. He's an exciting player. He's fun to watch. I think a lot of people, if they saw Hawaii, saw that shootout that they had with Colorado State last season. Um, and so they tend to remember that. Uh, but this this Hawaii team, like this, against this Arizona defense, like they, if Arizona's scoring points and they should be able to against this defense, then like Arizona's going to have a lot of field to try to, to try to force Hawaii off. Right. Like Hawaii's going to have to drive the length of the field a lot of the times. Yeah. Well, let's talk some matchups. Um, Arizona's run defense hasn't been great. They are breaking in two defensive tackles, right? They, they lost uh, the, the guy, the NFL in the seventh round, whose name escapes me right now and uh Derek Bowles. So yep. they are and, and again Arizona had just has just released their depth chart. So this is this is perfect. Um so they bring in Trevin Trevin Mason, a 310 JUCO transfer, um and Miles Tapasoa, a three uh, hundred and twenty-five pound JUCO transfer. So trying to fill those holes quickly. And there seems to be a little bit of um a little bit of depth there, right? So Fenton Connolly is a redshirt senior who had seen the field fairly often as an Arizona yeah. um, tackle and he got beat out by the Juco's. And I think that's a good thing because Fenton Connolly is serviceable, but Fenton Connolly isn't going to be somebody that's going to light the world on fire. Um, so it is nice to see those two bigger guys. If you're an Arizona fan, make that jump uh, on the ends too. You have a player like JB Brown, who's is somebody that Arizona's coaching staff has been fairly high on. There was even talks of moving him into the center into uh, some certain, uh, certain packages, which I'm a little bit hesitant about, but that's fine. You know, I'm sure yeah. like, you know, when in Rome, um, and then Jalen Harris who projects to be a player that could, could be an NFL player. He's got the size, he's got the length, he's got the body. Um, and again, both of those players beat out Kylan Wilborn, who was a freshman all American last year. So there, there is some depth. It seems finally Rob at the defensive line, right? Yeah, I mean, like the really exciting thing, I think, if you're an Arizona fan, is that uh, Tepesoa and Mason ended up getting in good enough shape um, that they're going to play um, and that they that they turned out to be what the coaching staff. I mean, at least I hope that they expected because you don't bring in Juco's to sit the bench like you need those. You need Juco players to come in and, and fill needs now. Um, so if they had come in and had not ended up on the uh, top of the depth chart. Like you'd really be concerned because, you know, if it, like you said, like Fitton Conley's fine. Like we've seen a lot of Fitton Conley, um, you know, not just starts wise, but like filling in, you don't necessarily want to have, you know, uh, 12, 12 games of Finn Conley out there. Um, and then like even behind Mason, like Mikey Irving is a guy that they moved to offensive line last season because they were so shorthanded. Um, and they they feel comfortable enough about their offensive line depth, I think, that they moved him back. And people have really been raving about him in camp, uh, too. So there's there is some there there is some there is some good depth at Arizona on the defensive line for maybe the first time, especially like you said, like Kylan Wilborn, who was a bit injured. I mean, two years ago, freshman All American, he was injured a bit last season, um, and Jalen Harris emerged. If if Arizona can get any regular pressure you know, out of this line, as well as being able to sort of sandwich the run a little bit. Like that's a, that's a huge win. Like these guys don't have to be, you know, they don't have to be like Auburn's defensive line for <laughs> this to be an improvement, <laughs> this to be an improvement for Arizona. I mean, I think expectations are, are still low. Like, and I, like if we sound like we're gushing about these players that are not likely to make any sort of all conference team, it's, it's probably because like, as we know, like the, the bar has been so low for Arizona's defensive line for so long. Yeah. Th this gives a little bit of hope and particularly against a Hawaii team where really the only running back you're going to have to worry about is the quarterback. <laughs> That's going to be the biggest. Threat. Yeah. The other guys really, I mean, they're averaging four yards a carry. Um, and again, both of them had about 500 yards total on the season. So nothing really, uh, n nothing that 
sparks worry if you're an Arizona fan. And then moving back a level too, even on that side, you have Colin Schooler who is should be should have been all Pac-12. I mean, that guy had like 127 tackles, 200 or not 200, <laughs> 22 tackles for a loss. Like he is a legit player in the Pac-12, and he's one of the better uh, linebackers in the conference. And then one thing that stood out for me, Rob, is that Tony Fields, who was the number two, these were two freshmen that played and have been playing uh, side by side. He he's been undersized, but he's listed at six one. And I, um, I'm not sure about that. He, <laughs> <laughs> he's got the, he's got the tall cleats on. Yeah, there you go. Um, but he's listed at the will spot as an either or with Anthony Pandy, who is a player that a lot of Arizona fans were intrigued by because there'd been some, there'd been some rumblings about him being fairly solid in the last couple of years. So it looks like, um, Pandy has gotten to a point where he's challenging Tony fields. And that's probably a good thing if you're an Arizona fan, because Pandy has a little bit more size, not a ton more. Um, but fields was, was a serviceable linebacker who is in the right spot. A lot of times he also was a freshman, all American. Um, but like you mentioned, Robin, uh, Rob, it's easier to be a, uh, a freshman All-American than an actual All-American, you know, as, as you move forward, just because yes. not a lot of freshmen are getting the playing time. Yeah. Well, and these guys, I mean, on that defense two years ago, they racked up Tony Fields and Collins Cooler cleaned up a lot of tackles because the defensive line was terrible, right? <laughs> like they had, they were true freshmen starting and they each had something like 120, 130 tackles or something absurd like that. So, um, They've been good. I mean, like in Fields, Fields was a little banged up a little bit last year. Didn't have, you know, the kind of year that Schooler had. Um, but the emergence of Pandy is good. And and I think the coaching staff also feels pretty good about Day-Day Coleman um, there too. But uh, they, they do need to be able to rotate Schooler and Fields. I mean, they're not, I, I, in this Hawaii game, I don't think that they're going to have a problem like rotating because I don't know that you're going to have both linebackers on the field a ton. Um because Hawaii is going to be in four four wides, like probably ninety percent of the game, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's good. I mean, like, in, 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 like if you move to like the secondary, like you actually feel decent about. Um, you know, um, we were there in Houston last year when um, you know the injuries started happening happening to the Arizona secondary too. Um, and you look out and all of a sudden you're like, man, Houston just took three deep shots in a row. What's going on? Oh, we have, but we have a walk, you know, there's a walk on, (laughs) (laughs) you know, playing and Houston's like, Hey, let's take some shots. Um, you're not going to have that this year with this Arizona defense. Like there's, there's depth. Yeah. And let's get into that because I think that's the biggest battle is, uh, the one thing with Arizona secondary is it has been, um, some interesting names with not a lot of production over the last f- four years. So, you know, last year, yes, there were injury problems, but the last couple of years that hasn't necessarily been the case. I mean, every team has injury problems. It's just the depth that tends to be the issue. And, uh, and, you know, Jace Whitaker returns, who is, uh, Arizona's premier cornerback. So like you mentioned, um, that will fill in for a good spot. So you have him and Lorenzo Burns, who are both experienced guys with Christian Roland Wallace, who's a true freshman that made a lot of noise in camp. I'm never super enthused when you have a true freshman starting at corner, but he's not, he's the second guy. Um, and I, I would assume that you'd bring in somebody like Samari Springs, uh, to, to be that third cornerback if you need to and he was a transfer over from the University of Richmond and then you have the three safeties in uh, Christian Young, Scotty Young and Tristan Cooper. So Rob where did Arizona's secondary where did their pass defense grade out last year? So it wasn't great. Um, Arizona's pass defense last season they were a little better against the run uh, than they were against the pass. They were 75 against the run and 92 against the pass. And I mean, some of that is very much the the secondary, right? And the fact that they had the injuries. But the other part is, is I mean, they really s- still struggled to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, and some of that's on the defensive line. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. One of the things that I noticed with Hawaii's roster is they have a very Arizona wide receiving core <laughs> under Rich Rodriguez's like regime. There's really nobody over six foot uh, that will be out there on the field. So in Arizona's corners aren't that big. That's the one thing I was like, ooh, and then I realized, oh, yeah, like our corners are pretty small. Um, but there, there's not that big, giant threat, really. It's a lot of smaller, faster guys. Um, but some players that are that have been very productive 
Um, I think one of the things to keep a lookout for is Cedric Bird. He's 5'9", 170, uh, but he caught almost 80 balls last year for almost 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, JoJo Ward is another wide receiver that'll be out there. He's 175 pounds um, and caught for uh, 865 yards and nine touchdowns. So between those guys, it's almost 2,000 yards and uh, almost 20 touchdowns. Like I mentioned, uh, Meliquis Stovall, who was a really blue chip player that was recruited by Sonny Dykes that didn't work out at Cal. He's now at Hawaii and can play this year. Uh, and then, uh, I think it's Kamoku Noah. Um, all that said, they're going to have three pretty solid wide receivers, but all of them are fairly small route. Yeah. And, and the run, part of the premise of the run and shoot is you don't necessarily have to have like a big, you know, X wide receiver out there. Um, because it's, the, the system is designed where everything's an option route um, and guys are sort of constantly looking for space, you know? And so the, the quarterback, you do have to be a pretty smart quarterback in this, in this system because you and the receivers need to be making the same reads on the defense, um, you know, in real time. But the flip side of that is like, if you are making the reads in real time correctly, then like the, the receivers should actually be sitting in space and not having to go up and beat guys for balls. Oh, that's a good point. Anything else on Hawaii's offense versus Arizona's defense? No, I mean, like this should be a good this should be a good matchup to see where Arizona's pass rush really is. I mean, like the they should you if you're if you want to get a sense of where they are, like Arizona needs to come out of this game with a couple sacks and some some pressures. Like they can't it can't just be um, you know Cole McDonald having time back there. If it if if that is the case, then this Arizona defense could be in a lot of trouble all season. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about that. So Hawaii finished 129th out of 130 teams in sacks given up with 46 last year. Um, and and a lot of people are like oh they return their offensive line. They do, <laughs> but an offensive I mean, line they threw a up. lot. I mean too <laughs> like there were a lot of opportunities to get sacked. But yeah. yeah. Um, tackles for a loss, 77th in the country with 80. So they were giving up a lot of, um, a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, let's move to Arizona's offense, Rob. What, what do people that are watching week zero have to expect from this Arizona team? I mean, so the question that has to be on everyone, I mean, everyone's mind, right. Is how often does Khalil Tate run the football? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think that like how how that shakes out, I think, is still an important question, because I, I think a lot of folks came in last season and even before Khalil Tate was injured, you know, he didn't run much in that BYU game. And then he I mean, he made some poor passing decisions in that game. Um, and so, you know, Arizona came back the next week and it was like there was a lot of talk about like we're going to be committed to the run against Houston. And then he was injured. So like it sort of all went out the window then. Um where Arizona sort of sits, you know, with, with Tate rushing the football, he is, he is the most explosive runner in college football when he takes off. Like there's just no one like him. Um, and, and people I think forget what 2017 was like and how high above, you know, where they were trending Arizona finished because of Tate running the football. Um, so yeah, it, it is going to be like in prior Mazzoni offenses, his quarterbacks, if they're mobile, have run around 12 times a game. I mean, and I think that's a good number for Tate. So, you know, how often does Tate run in this, you know, take off and run in this Hawaii game? But then your next question, I think, like, I think Pac-12 fans know who J.J. Taylor is. Um, I think the, I don't know that the offensive line is going to get severely tested in this game by Hawaii. So then it's just a question of the wide receivers. Like, if you, if you want to look out and see, you know, like, there's going to be a lot of new faces for Arizona catching the ball. Um, you know, Cedric Peterson's really the only returner, and I think he was, like, the fifth wide receiver last season. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you've got some, you've got some young guys, you know, you've got Drew Dixon, uh, Brian Castile, you've got a true freshman, Booby Curry, you know, who's the, the, you know, the, the four-star heralded, you know, wide receiver coming in, um, in this class for Arizona. And like, these guys are going to, you're going to, you're, you're going to get to see what it's like. Cause if it's, if, if that's not working, like, you know, if the, if the wide receivers are not you know, and Tate aren't on the same page. Like Arizona could again be in trouble and, and really maybe have to rely on Tate running the football, maybe more than 12 times a game. And hope springs eternal in the off season. So almost every one of these wide receivers an Arizona fan will say, Oh yeah, but right. So Brian Castile is yes, he didn't play last year. He's a new face, but he was a player that 
this coaching staff really liked in camp and then he got hurt. So he wasn't able to play last year. They threw a red shirt on him, right? Jamari Joyner, who is also fighting for that slot spot is between Castile and Joyner, um, was a quarterback last year. And a lot of people thought, Hmm, you might be a better wide receiver than quarterback. And lo and behold, he makes the shift once Grant Cannell comes to Arizona. Um, just cause he, there really wasn't a spot for him at that position and some pretty good reports uh, of his play at a camp. Drew Dixon didn't have, didn't play last year, but he was one of the highest rated recruits um, to come out of the Rich Rodriguez system. Jalen Curry was the, one of the highest rated recruits to come uh, under Kevin Sumlin's class this year. Uh, Cedric Peterson, like you mentioned, is probably the only proven commodity. And that is a pretty <laughs> use proven with, uh, with air quotes. But um, again, some really interesting players, but you're right, Rob, if they don't get it together, then, oh my goodness, then there is definitely going to be some issues here. Um, I mean, let's like, there's some interesting, like, if you look at this roster though, like one of the things like Mazzoni sometimes splits his, his tight end out. Um, and so you get a four wide look, but with a tight end, really, um, Zach Williams, the backup tight end is a converted wide receiver and really has a, like, just like a really big receiver body. Um, you know, and Castile, you know, the Arizona slot receivers, you know, Castile and, um, Joiner, they're both at least six feet tall. Um, it's it's a different. I mean, it's it's not every not every not every Arizona receiver is going to be five eight this year. Um, and Arizona, I think, is is looking to create some matchup mismatches uh, out there that they haven't necessarily tried to create in the past. So that'll I I think it's going to be an interesting group. But it's definitely a group that when you look at this Arizona team you're kind of excited that they don't have to play a good defense until probably Washington. Um, you know, like you start, it's nice to get to start out the season with Hawaii and then NAU and Texas tech. Like they should be able to get their feet wet and try to get on the same page as the QB. Yeah. And I want to talk about a few more Hawaii players. Um, but let's do so after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. We're talking week zero, Arizona versus Hawaii. And if you're new to the podcast, we we will not take a half hour dive into every Pac-12 game <laughs> as we move into the season. This just <laughs> happens to be the, the only Pac-12 game going on. So we want to do a little bit more, uh, give it a little bit more attention. So, hey, just a couple of players to keep a lookout for uh, in regards to Hawaii's defense and some stats. So they uh, recorded 30 sacks last year, which is 40th in the country, uh, 70 tackles for a loss, 78th in the country. So nothing crazy out there. But there is a player, number 96, uh, Kayamana uh, Padello, who is six foot 225. He's a defensive lineman. He had 13 and a half tackles for a loss, seven quarterback hurries, and caused some havoc in the backfield. So just keep a lookout for him. He's not huge. He's going to be on the edge likely, um, but he's number 96 and somebody to keep an eye out for. And then uh, just a really great name, number four, who, and also a good player. Uh, number four is a cornerback. His name is Ross Jerryman Ferris. Ro- oh, I'm sorry, Ross Jesterman Ferris. And uh, he's one of the better defensive players on Hawaii. He's their corner, 45 tackles, 11 pass breakups last year. So they'll probably put him on whoever is causing Hawaii the most fits on the on the ends over there with the Arizona's wide receivers. Rob, anything else we should mention? No, I mean, it, like it's it, how Hawaii returns a ton of production, but 
Um, both the regular projection model and even the modified projection model don't really like this Hawaii defense to improve very much. Their recruiting's not been great, like I said. Um, so they're 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 not projected to make a big jump, even with everybody they're bringing back. Um, sometimes it's not great to bring back players if they weren't that good. Yeah, I'm glad somebody says that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I. Uh, I specifically create a, like a, a different kind of variable in the projection model where I multiply your returning production by your um, by your ranking from the prior year um, to try to get the interaction effect of it because like it matters like just bring, saying like bringing back oh we're bringing back a bunch of players like if they weren't any good. That's the Phil Steele special, man. This team returns oh, X stars. I'm like, oh, man, that team sucked last year. They sucked. Uh, so anyway. I think a lot of people can talk themselves into with this Hawaii defense. Like they return a ton of starters and a lot of the backups. Like it's kind of a young defense ish in that sense. So the spread is 11. It sounds like you're taking Arizona. I'm going to take Arizona. I I think that this, this Hawaii um, – I don't think the special teams are going to be any better for Hawaii. I think the defense is still going to be a bit of a swinging gate, and that puts you in a hole. I mean, as 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 fans of Pac-12 teams that don't have good defenses know, um, if you're always having to go 75 yards um, once your offense gets the ball, that's a tough order. Like, you really have to be efficient. And, um, you know, Hawaii's not always been that level of efficient, so... Like I, I, I think Arizona um, should win by two scores. All right, and we will continue to um, monitor these. Our uh, our future host will also give his picks, and we'll track these, and we'll tweet them out on Twelve Pack Radio. And Rob, all of your spreads can be found on SharpCollegeFootball.com. So, uh, and and we'll keep a running count as we did last year, just to kind of keep ourselves accountable here. But let's get to UCLA, Rob. Uh, this is a team that won three games last year that returns. Some talent, but not like not a ton of uh, of talent from a recruiting standpoint. Chip Kelly really didn't go out. He went on the I recruit on Wednesdays tour, which is a shout out to our friend Hithliday for throwing that. <laughs> it's like that's great. But they do return Dorian Thompson Robinson. I know a lot of people have talked about him as being a solid quarterback. He certainly came into UCLA with some pedigree, but I just didn't see the production there. Six touchdowns, six interceptions, sixty percent completion rate, and. Rob, he's clearly the guy. There's, you know, Richard. There's no one else. I yeah. mean, yeah. so like Chris Peterson is blocking uh, Yankoff's eligibility from Washington. So like he's not going to be there to compete against him. So, yeah, it's it's definitely Dorian Thompson Robinson. And that I mean, that really did not work last season. It's and, true I mean, freshman, to the point, though. like, yeah, I mean, true freshman. But to the point of like. Dorian Thompson Robinson's dad was lighting up Chip Kelly on Twitter for bad game planning. And you know what? Dorian Thompson Robinson's dad was right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I watched that game, and it was the Colorado game that Dorian Thompson Robinson was in. And it was just, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, it was just, I realize Chip Kelly probably knows more about football than I do. I, I mean, undoubtedly, like, no one's going to hire me to run UCLA. But um, Dorian Thompson Robinson is a dual threat quarterback. He is a true freshman. He was in some ways struggling with some of his reads and Colorado's receivers were also struggling a, a bit to get open in that game. And the, one of the things that you can do with the dual threat quarterback is you can use their rushing ability and then also pick up the pace and put additional pressure on the defense. And in doing that, you can help simplify that quarterback's reads. And they didn't do any of that like they basically ran like this extremely standard offense um and asked a true freshman to like get through it and make all the reads it was just silly like i just i don't think they put him in the best position last season so we'll i hopefully they learned their lessons last season yeah i like um so hithliday and uh, adam shameo on the quack 12 podcast have been bringing on guests for um Basically, they've been doing interviews about the Pac-12 teams and doing deep dives as well, and they've been quite good. So I highly recommend taking a listen to those. They brought in uh, somebody from What's Brewing podcast, and those guys know their stuff on UCLA. I think the one point that I would pick, the bone I'd pick with them was um, a lot of the lack of production on offense was chalked up to, well, Kelly was just trying different stuff and you know, and he, he was doing, he was moving as he was doing his system and trying stuff and just trying to figure out like what to do. And he kind of just said, screw the season. I'm going to, I'm going to tinker around. 
Yeah, but, 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 you know, I I think at some point, right, you want to find out what works. And if you don't have anything that's, that works, I understand that at the end of the year, uh, UCLA was performing better. And and that was something that they also had mentioned, you know, by the end of the year, they had kind of come into a groove, but like you mentioned, Rob, UCLA didn't have a strong schedule at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, their schedule was a bit front loaded. They didn't really play a great team in the second half. I mean, I, let me. I mean, I think maybe they had Utah at the end of the year and they got, I mean, they got rolled by Utah. Um, But yeah, like if you're tinkering around and you want to see what you have, like, why did you play Wilton Spate all season? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) You, I mean, if you're going to play Wilton Spate, I mean, if you're tinkering around and you want to figure out what you have, like last season was like the smoke if you got him season. Like you're you're eliminated from bowl eligibility early on. Like play the young guys. Like why not? Like get in the experience, build towards the next couple seasons. Like get your get your guys ready. And Chip Kelly didn't do any of that. Um, I just don't. I don't know. I don't buy it. It sounds like it's just a little bit too much of a convenient excuse. Like I just don't buy it. Like was what we saw last season. Kelly mostly ran the same sets he was running with the Niners. Um, last season, like, I don't know that he was like tinkering with the, like for the college game. I think the one highlight though, was the running back. So Joshua Kelly returns. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the one thing though, so at 5'11", 219, he's a redshirt senior. He's the transfer from, I think it was UC Davis. The, the one thing to keep in mind is he was injured in fall camp and it sounds like he'll be fine, but I'm just going to, going to put a little flag right there because he was awesome last year. Uh, and, and I, I'm just curious, what, what did, what did he do well, Rob, that made him such an effective rusher? And what did, did Kelly do with them that, um, at least allowed them to move the ball from a rushing standpoint, even though the quarterbacks couldn't do a ton? Well, the offensive line was a lot better than we expected, um, in, in run blocking. I mean, like, and we were, and I, when they moved boss Tagaloa over, I thought, holy moly, that's a desperation move, but he was good. Uh, at center for them last season like the offensive line was was far far better than I I thought they were going to be but I mean Kelly really read it I mean he was patient um which is a big thing uh and he read his he read his holes really well he's got good contact balance so um he gets you know even if if he gets even if you get an arm on him right like he's he's not going to go down easily um and he's able to, to to make adjustments so you know, he's not, he's not like a, he's not a burner speed wise. Everybody likes to talk about like Chip Kelly and track speed, but, um, he's got good football speed, uh, out there and he, he can make him miss. He's got some wiggle to him. So like he was, a, he was, a, he seemed to be, I would say like, he was a smart guy that knew exactly where the hole was going to be and where the cutback was going to be. Um, and a lot of the guys like the, you know, the four or five star guys, the two five star running backs that they had last season that mostly spent last season on the bench. Um, Kelly didn't seem to have any faith that they did, you know, like uh, that they did know that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he did play some of the other younger guys. So, Martel uh, Irby, who was a true freshman, averaged about yep. 4.6 yards a carry, only 200 yards basically. And then Casimir Allen was the guy I thought was going to be the star on there. You talk about the track speed, he was the player that um, was one of the fastest guys out there that Chip Kelly, uh, you know, got to commit to UCLA, who was a track star and all that stuff. He returned. So there is some depth there. And I know that fans of UCLA are pretty excited about Martel Irby as well. So uh, you have that. Plus, like you mentioned, Rob, their offensive line was pretty solid and they returned four of the five starters. So Jake Burton at tackle that, you know, a boss returns, Chris Murray, the one position that they need to fill is their right tackle. And here's where I get a little bit worried and, and UCLA fans should be worried. There's really not a lot of depth after that. Their right tackle penciled yeah. in right now is Sean Ryan. Who's a, a true freshman. Um, granted he was a top 15 tackle, but still you got a true freshman starting there. And then after that, it's a significant drop off. Yeah. I mean, and, that that's a big danger because like you don't you don't like they had some pretty they had pretty good health last season on the offensive line that's tough to do i mean that's not like people say that health is a skill i mean somewhat true but they just they, they don't have as much as you like uh depth wise there and that was true last season too like they they got by last season without having any injuries um but this is a team that if dorian thompson robinson got gets hurt or you know one of the tackles gets hurt it's it's going to get thin real quick. We're talking two red shirt freshmen and two walk-ons are in the two deep right yeah. now as I have it in. Yeah. Like, holy moly. <laughs> 
I mean, and they can't afford, I mean, like they can't even afford to move over like the Tagaloa move. I thought was interesting last season. Cause I thought they were also thin on the defensive line. They're also thin on the defensive line again, and they can't really move one over. Also, it's too late. You would have already needed to have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are the numbers on the offense before we get into the wide receiving core? Uh, because I do think there are concerns on that front as well. Um, what did, how did UCLA grade out on the rushing side and the passing side of their offense? They ended up finishing out the season at number 47. Um, and they were not, they were a bit, they were more of an explosive offense than they were um, an efficient offense. So they graded out at number 90 in drive efficiency, number 39 in explosive drives. They mostly avoided three and outs and turnovers. So they were good at negative drives. Um, but what they, they were, and they were, they were actually a little better at throwing the ball than they were at running the ball. And I know that sounds weird because we just talked, but they, they graded out at uh, 55 on effective rush and number 40 on effective pass. Um, so Wilton Spike did sort of figure it out. Caleb Wilson ended up with a pretty decent year um, last season, but like the, their trouble was, is like, even if it looked like that they started to figure out the rushing attack a bit, like the offense itself, like wasn't putting up that many points and still wasn't that great. Hmm. Um, and then we take a look at the wide receiving threats that we have. Theo Howard is the top returning wide receiver. He's six foot, um, about 650 yards, four touchdowns. That's it. Um, you got a guy like Dominic Felton, who's five, nine, he'll be kind of quick Kyle Phillips. Uh, but those guys caught for 270 yards and 31 yards. Uh, the one player to keep a lookout for is Jalen Irwin. He's a Juco transfer that had about 20 offers, including um, like NC state, Kentucky and Cal. He's making some noise in camp, but he's five eleven. Uh, I guess chase Coda is another guy. six, four. So <sighs> like I'm kind of reaching a little bit, Rob. Yeah, no, he actually chase Coda was a guy that they were excited about last season. He was one of their four star signees, but he was, he was okay last season. Um, and he got some playing time, but he didn't really wow you in any of it. Um, and you're like, there are guys like diamond Lee. He's a former four star, yeah. you know, kind of buried down the depth chart. Like there's, there, and there's not a, even a wide receiver. Like you look at it and you say like, yeah, they go, they go deep enough, but, um, you know, I don't think that you'd be really excited to have any of these guys coming in and spelling anybody. And like they were expecting, you know, Chase Coda to come in and and start this year, right? Like that, that's what they were expecting from him last. You know, like uh, I think like with how it turned out last year. So they, it did, he didn't really pick it up, didn't really figure it out, and I guess he hasn't in spring either. Yeah, I mean, the one player to keep a lookout for is Devin Asiasi, who is a tight end, caught for about 130 yards behind their like NFL. And actually, I don't think he got drafted in the NFL, which is crazy. He did not. He went undrafted, which is crazy that Chip Kelly managed to. I mean, everyone had Caleb Wilson like prior to the season in the first round, and granted, he didn't have a great he didn't have a great combine, but oof. Whatever, man. Come on. Somebody, hopefully, I'm sure he got picked up by somebody in a a free agency. But, um, but one of the things with even Asiasi is Hithloday didn't really like his blocking, which is interesting. And and Hithloday is somebody that like I trust. And I think that um, he does a lot of film breakdown and stuff. So, I mean, whatever, like if you can catch the ball, you can catch the ball. At least that's something. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, like, there's, there's, if you can't, if you can't block, you're going to have a tough time staying on the field as a tight end, like you, you have to know your assignments. You have to be able to, you don't have to necessarily dominate and seal off a defensive end every time. But like, man, if like, if you've got a guy coming up inside you, like right behind your back between the tackle and the tight end, like you got to hold your own. And if you're not, if you're not a willing blocker there, like, I don't know that you're going to spend a lot of time on the field with Chip Kelly. Well, and all that to say, looking at this offense, there's nothing that screams UCLA is going to, you know, roar back and be a team that is challenging the Pac-12 South. Um, Vegas has their season win total at six, which I think is quite fair. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we'll get to the defense here too. I mean, I've got them at five, five and a half. I mean, that's where Ben Rank's got them. Like Yikes. that's, yeah. I mean, their their schedule is tough again, like real tough. Um, anything else on the offense before we move to defense? No, I mean, like the one thing that we and we sort of talked about it a little is the, uh, you know, the one wild card here is like, how much does Dorian Thompson Robinson run? Like he's he's got that he's got that in his bag. I mean, he's he's yeah. got some wheels. So, um, 
you know, he was the, I think he was the number one dual threat quarterback in the country when he signed with them. Like they really, they really need to think about opening that up because they didn't last season and it, it clearly they, they needed something. Yeah, that's good. That's a good call. Uh, let's get to their defense because I think there are some concerns on that side as well. But let's do that <laughs> after this. All right, we're back talking UCLA football, doing a deep dive breakdown into the Bruins program. And Rob, where did UCLA grade out in defense last year? Uh, number 90. And other than Oregon State, they were the worst defense in the Pac-12. <sighs> and <laughs> if we're going to we're going to. I mean, like, regardless of what you think about, I mean, like, yes, they had some. Uh, you could say they maybe had some type of issues, but they had more. I mean, UCLA's defense, like pound for pound, star for star. They probably performed worse than any defense in the country last <laughs> season for for as many as many highly rated recruits as they were often able to throw out on the field. Like they were not very good. Though, yeah, the one thing that they have in their pocket was it was a young defense. Um, like Asa Odigazua is six two two seventy nine, so he was a redshirt sophomore, kind of their. I, I would say he's their premier defensive lineman. He had about six tackles for a loss, though. Like that's. <laughs> like oh my goodness um you know between Ooh, him, i mean yeah yeah six tackles for a loss um the the guys they had they were starting two two freshmen basically at nose tackle and defensive tackle you know you go to the linebackers well even even if you go into the depth here one of the the issues that concerns me with ucla rob is that um like you mentioned recruiting well on defense tends to transfer more quickly into production on the field rather than um, recruiting high level talent on the offensive side. Isn't that the case? Yeah. So the, the, on the offensive projections that I do uh, returning production is more correlated with offense and recruiting is more correlated with defense. Now it's not to say it doesn't matter, but like if you had to, I mean, it does make sense. Like the offense gets to decide whether they're running. So running or passing, like it's important, you know, the scheme defense is a little bit more about reaction. So pure athleticism um, is sort of key there too. Uh, maybe a little more key. So yeah, you would expect a defense. I mean, as well as UCLA has recruited that they would have, the model sort of is expected like them to put out a better unit. Mm. Uh, the linebacking core, I have a little bit more faith in uh, Chris Barnes was good. 85 tackles, yeah. 10 for a loss, six pass breakups. Uh, Josh Woods was pretty good. Um, and he was also out in 2018. He was injured. Uh, yeah. Uh, Keyshawn Lucier South is a, was one of the top recruits in the country. He might play. Here's, here's the worrisome thing is that um, Chip Kelly has basically said, yeah, he's definitely not playing in the first three games. <laughs> Well, what about the fourth yeah. game, uh, Coach Kelly, or the fifth game? So there's no guarantee that he's actually going to return to play anytime this year. He could, and he's been on the sidelines right. for camp. But oof, like, he, if he's out, Rob, I mean, we get back into the same thing. Where is the depth here? How are they going to stop teams from running the football? Um, can they can they do a little bit of pass coverage? Like, I don't know the question to any of those uh, answer to any of those questions. No, and this defense, you know, like when you when you look at some of their their exact numbers here, you know, like they they did clean up like UCLA two years ago had this extreme split where like you could just run the ball down their throat. Like they were a bad defense, but they were really bad against the run. And it's weird because I mean, like they'd had for the most part, like the offense had been kind of up and down under Mora, but since he'd hired, you know, the former Penn state defensive coordinator, Tom Bradley, they'd mostly had like pretty consistently good defenses. And then they just sort of fell off the map that last year, um, especially against the run. But like, so they did clean it up. They graded out number 94 against the the run instead of in the one tens, one twenties. Um, but the flip side is, it's like they were 86 against the pass. They actually got worse last season against the pass versus the prior season. Um, and a lot of it was that they were really struggled to get pressure on the quarterback. So like, they're still not great up the middle. They, they were not great up the middle last season. Um, but I think a, while you, you still have that question, like a question with Lucy or South, I was like, where's the pass rush come from? Um, you know, because that was one of the things that he really excelled at. And they they also I mean, I'm trying to remember the guy that was like, the, I mean, the he was the top recruit in the country. Jalen like got Yeah. And he transferred to Miami. Yep. You know, like there's, you know, the uh, Mickey Juarez is at Utah. I mean, he never really panned out at all. 
Um, like there's just, there's not a lot of depth and there, you just have a lot of question where, where questions, where it all comes from. And, um, a lot of these guys, when they're on the field, like they just, they don't, they either don't understand, they don't seem to understand what the scheme might be, or they don't seem to be putting in the effort level that you would expect. Cause, um, like you just, these guys, these, these guys were just, I mean, unless everyone missed on evaluations for UCLA players, like these guys just have so much athleticism to be this bad. <laughs> uh, a couple of players to keep a lookout for uh, Jay Smalley, Tyree Thompson are a couple of players that could make some yeah. noise. I know that, um, Thompson was pushing for the inside linebacker spot. One of those two with Josh Woods, I would, I would assume Chris Barnes is pretty legit. Um, so I mean, like there, there could be some talent there, but uh, again, there, there's just questions, 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 uh, going to the secondary. I mean, I actually, I think Darnay Holmes is really good, you know, and he started since he was a true freshman, you know, like I think that there, I think a lot of their problems on, on the past defense come from the fact that they're, they're really unable to get pressure on the QB. Okay. So Elijah Gates comes back. He's another corner that they'll rely on. You know, they, they got two safeties. Quinton Lake is somebody that has a decent amount of uh, exposure. I think he started last year, five pass breakups, 67 tackles. And then, then that second spot though, it's just kind of wide open. And again, I'm just looking at who, who is, who is going to step up and who is going to be able to come in and make a difference in this defense? Cause they need it. And I just don't see that second spot. Maybe, you know, like it could be, could be Steven Blaylock. It could be somebody else on the, on that team, but they're, they're just <sighs> the last couple of years, there hasn't been, um, well, particularly under Kelly, but even like under Mora, uh, his last year, like that, there wasn't a lot of safety talent coming in. I'm just curious to see what happens there, particularly if they were sub 90, man, they're going to need some help, Rob. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, those guys were good. Like they, they had a lot of confidence, you know, up the middle with their safeties last season, both in run support um, and against the pass. And that's not to say that they ended out in a like, grading out in a very good defense, but um, you know, the guy that's uh, he's at Arizona now, um, uh, Demetrius Martin, like he he re, he reeled in, um, and and a lot of these guys in the NFL right now, like he had some of the highest graded you know safeties in the country coming to play at UCLA, um, and it really fell off. And like their 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 roster doesn't look anything like that um, right now. So they're they're going to have to coach him up. And I mean, like I had questions coming into last season about Azanaro. Um, who is UCLA's defensive coordinator. Uh, he hadn't really called plays. I mean, he, he was with Kelly in the NFL. He was a defensive line coach in the NFL for a long time. He was not the defensive coordinator. He hadn't called plays um, since like the mid-aughts. Um, Those are I, the golden I, years, though, Rob, the golden years. I know. Years. I mean, it's, it's not to say that like, you just forget it, Like, but I, I do think that there's a different – I do think that there's a difference between like understanding a scheme and calling plays, and I just – I don't think that when you looked across at this UCLA defense that they, they had a lot of great adjust. Like, I don't think that they made great adjustments. Um, when you look across their games, I don't think that they, you know, that they were necessarily even put in the best positions. It's like I, as much as I would say that about the offense, like I don't think that just Chip Kelly always put them in the best position to succeed. I think that's definitely true of the defense because you've got to understand where your weaknesses are and, and, and try to try to cover them up. And it, it didn't feel like they did enough of that last season. Well, let's end on a high note here. Uh, what would be a good season for UCLA? I'll kind of go through their schedule and let's see. Um, if you're a UCLA fan, what do you take going into next season? Uh, if, if Kelly can get on the recruiting trail and get some good talent into Westwood. So at Cincinnati, which we mentioned you're going to be at, which would be fun, uh, fun to hear some reporting Bruins fans. And I will be there supporting the PAC 12. Nice. Like nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, but this is a game like this. If you look at UCLA's schedule, like for them to have a good season, this is a game they probably have to win. Um, and it's not a game that either Vegas or Beta Rank has them as a favorite in. Like it, like you know, the model and and Vegas like Cincinnati in this game. Um, you know, like it has them about a five, five, five and a quarter point favorite at home. Um, but for UCLA to have a good season, they they need to win this game. Like they need to show that they don't go out and lose to another Group of Five opponent like they did last season. So. Um, 
Yeah, and, and Cincinnati's a good team. I mean, they've got a good defense under Luke Fickle. So this this game, like, it's not a must-win, but uh, I think it's the kind. Of, it is a game that, like, for the rest of their season, because you've got they'll probably beat San Diego State. You know, the models got them as like a pretty big favorite in that game. Eight and a, eight, eight points. Oklahoma at home. Nope. <laughs> that's tough. <laughs> I mean, that's tough. Jalen Hurts model. though. That'll be fun. Jalen Hurts. I mean, yeah. And uh, the model has, you know, Oklahoma, you know, at the Rose Bowl is a, you know, almost 12 and a half point favorite right now. And, and Oklahoma, I mean, I think the model could be, you know, underrating Oklahoma, given that they just hired Alex Grinch. And I expect that defense to be better. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. After Stoops, holy Moses. Um, yeah. But I, I do I do assume that most of the people that listen to this podcast listen to the one uh, that we released this week where we went through, you know, all the season. Yeah, yeah. You know, all stuff. So um, let's kind of breeze through and then just kind of give so that they're at Washington State at Arizona. They have Oregon State at home. Then they're on the road at Stanford, which is ranked 25, by the way. So dumb. So dumb. Um, ASU, yeah. Colorado at home. I think those are the games that you can you can take a look at and say, okay, all right, we have a chance. Um, then they go to Utah, they go to USC and they have Cal. So, you know, if, if Chip Kelly comes out of this season with like, I know their season win total is six, uh, but like you're paying him a decent amount of money and we say seven wins. Like if you, if you have seven wins, do you think UCLA fans are pretty happy? I guess they would double their win total if they had six. I mean, but the bar is so wins, I think you, I think UCLA fans are almost ecstatic given the schedule. Um, oh, that's fair. Right, and like if you, and it's sort of like how it goes too. So I mean, if you, if they get, I mean, I think UCLA fans were happy because they beat USC last season. Um, you know, if you get if you get to six wins and you mostly beat the other South programs, you know, like you you manage to beat Arizona, you manage to beat Colorado, um, you maybe keep it close with Utah, keep it close with USC. You know, like you just don't let you don't let the Arizona schools and Colorado feel like they're passing you. Um, I think UCLA fans would be kind of happy with that. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, that I mean they good. have like they haven't beaten Stanford in an awfully long time. So as I recollect, like Stanford sort of had their number. Well, let's leave it there. This week we and we'll be live tweeting the Arizona game from basically all of our accounts. <laughs> so Twelve Pack Radio, Sharp College Football. Uh, well, where are it's you going to be tweeting? Are you doing the Wildcat it's Radio? Not that silly. I'm not going to. I'm not going to live tweet it on Sharp College Football, but I will do it from Wildcat Radio. Um, if you want to follow that and I'll retweet some of it over on my own personal account, but because it's on that like silly CBS sports network, like I actually have to go find a sports bar, uh, <laughs> to watch the game. Cause I have, I have sling so that I get the pack 12 out here. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, follow us at 12 pack radio, uh, um, sharp college If you want to join the, the pack 12, um, survivor pool, and, and tune in this Sunday for, for our new guest and uh, some different show formats. And we're pretty excited as we move into the season. Anything else to plug, Rob? No, I mean, like, really check out Sharp College Football. I can't, like, I'm not, I'm not just saying this because it's like, like this, the tools that we have built there and what we have exposed from beta rank there is, is really cool. I'll put, you know, um, you know, what I, what I, beta rank, I think, stands well against any advanced stats model you're going to run into out there. Like, I don't want to start any like cat fights over math, but, <laughs> um, like I, I, I do this professionally for a living and it's, it's very, very good. So yeah, yeah. yeah check it out. All right. Well, we will catch you guys in a few days and look forward to the season.